Sooner fans, Longhorn Nation, welcome to episode 49 of the Boomer Bevo podcast, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football. The soon-to-be members of the SEC, University of Texas, and the University of Oklahoma. I'm here with my good friend Kevin Miller. I'm John Whitson. To jump right in, Kevin, basketball absolutely sucks right now for the Oklahoma Sooners. It sucks to be a fan for the Oklahoma Sooners. They are killing me. They find ways to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, specifically against your Texas Longhorns. While on the other hand, your Longhorns are tied atop the Big 12, coming off of two wins, one against Oklahoma, one against Iowa State. You're finishing up against Baylor, TCU, KU with a chance to win the regular season in the Big 12. How do you think you're going to end up? Man, I I feel like they can do it. I was trying to temper my expectations because as a fan, as a Texas fan, we have been let down so much over the last decade, right? But, man, this team, they just keep finding ways to win games, even games that they don't particularly play great in. They're just finding a way. So I'm hoping, man, I'm thinking they can do it and finish a regular season with at least a tie or a share of the regular season Big 12 title, which would be amazing given everything that's happened this season. Right now you're tied with Kansas, um, and Kansas has the tiebreaker because they beat you at home. So I'm guessing you're going to – if you end tied but you beat Kansas, I I don't know what the tiebreaker is for the Big 12. Um. I don't know what it would go to after that point differential or, you know, I'm not sure what it, exactly what it would go to. I, I don't know. That is interesting. We're going to have another but, 2008 on our hands. But if you can beat Baylor, if you can, well, first of all, if you can win out, which isn't going to be easy, but if you can win out against Baylor, TCU and Kansas, I guess it doesn't matter. You'll have the better record. Correct. Um, so I, I don't know I, to be, to finish number one, losing your coach, finish number one in the toughest conference in the, in, in um, college basketball. Set yourself up for the – I still contend – I don't know that you're going to get a number one seed anymore just because the number of losses isn't going to look great on the resume. But a strong finish and a strong performance in the in the Big 12 tournament, I still think there's an opportunity for a number one seed. I really, really I do. I think that opportunity is there too. I still think the way it'll end up, they'll likely be a two or a three. Yeah. But, yeah, man, I mean, I think the conference is going to get a lot of love for the, um, from the selection committee. And I mean, one, two, three, four. I mean, what we have six, seven teams potentially out of yeah. the ten get yeah. into the tournament. Has that ever happened before? That's a lot of teams, man. From no, I think just it 70%. has seventy okay. percent. I think it has. Um, I I think I. In fact, I know it. I know it has. We we've gotten seven teams in before. Oklahoma even has, after the ten years. I mean, after it went down to ten. Yes, we've gotten seven of the ten. Okay. Yes. And Oklahoma has been on the beneficiary of some of those. Uh, I think the Trey Young year, I want to say they okay. were sixth or seventh in the conference, um, and, and we're able to get into the tournament, only to lose to like Rhode Island. I think it was what a joke in overtime. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, we're we're a stat conference, and and that's what makes it's not what makes us more frustrated. It, it, it'll in some ways it allows you to explain what's happening with Oklahoma. But it's just still – it is so frustrating because you play against Texas. You play a really, really, really good game. 
You get it to overtime. You've got every every reason to win this game. And it's not taking anything away from y'all. Y'all are the better team. That's, you know, whatever. I just thought Oklahoma looked really good in that game. I thought we had every opportunity to win. And then it just it just evaporates. And then you go and then you lose to Texas Tech at home. And you just don't even know how you can lose to a 3-14 and 14 team. I mean, they're, Texas Tech isn't any good either. You know, it's no, just frustrating. No, and it's funny because with that Texas game, I actually thought that OU was a better team for the majority of the game. You guys just went on that crazy scoring drought late in the second half. Texas got a lead. Then you fight back, tie it up with a Sherfield three, you know, get the game in the overtime, and then, you know, didn't really do much in the overtime period. The problem is Sherfield, Sherfield is, you know, it's funny. If you're looking at the title of this episode for everybody out there, uh, if we have time, we're going to get to some of our most frustrating players, typically on the football field. But Sherfield actually fits that bill for an Oklahoma fan. He's a frustrating player because you want to be mad. You want to say, we don't have the guy, in parentheses, to just put the game on his shoulders. And so when you have those long scoring droughts, the first question I ask is like, where's Sherfield at? But then you're right. Then he hits a big three and gets you into overtime. And you're like, oh, well, he's back. He's just He's a frustrating player to watch and root for basically because you kind of know how good he should be, but he just doesn't live up to it. Yeah. I mean, he's usually don't see players that are that good, be that streaky. Right. I mean, he's averaging what 16.5 a game this season, but man, sometimes like you said, you'll, he'll have these 10 minute stretches where you don't even know if he's on the, on the floor, which is crazy well, because he can take over games offensively. And I'd be curious what can the break take him over. I'd, I'd be curious what the breakdown is by half and that 16.8 average. I bet it's close to like 11 and five, you know, where his first halves are just so much better than his second halves. Um, and to your point, it seems like he's more engaged in the first half. He gets going, he's on a roll, he feels good. It's just when things kind of tighten down, and especially in this league against teams like Texas that can really ramp up some defensive pressure, he just fades. Um, and I just uh, – I don't, I don't know what to think about Mosier. I mean, your coach, on the other hand, he's going to win Big 12 Coach of the Year, isn't he? It certainly seems that way, man, to come in, given the crazy circumstances. I'm telling you, we talked about this before on the podcast. I fully expected the season to fall apart. But I'll not give Chris Beard credit for this, constructing a team full of guys who have played a ton of games. I think yeah. that's really been the, the difference with this team. You've got – I think they've got four or five guys that have played a hundred college basketball games, which is almost unheard of on good teams this year. Uh, you know, a good Correct. teams at this point in like in, in the in the in the spe- in the spectrum of college basketball to have an experienced team at a at a major school, right? You see them a lot in mid majors. You see it a lot Correct. at Butlers and Gonzagas and 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 teams like that. You don't see them at high level because it's so much of the one and dones, two and dones. It, you just don't you don't get it. So that that is an interesting set. But is your coach? And forgive me, I'm I apologize. I'm completely drawing a blank on his name. Rodney Terry. Is Rodney Terry gonna? Is he gonna coach himself into? Or is he gonna force Texas to give him the job long term, or at least a you two know, or three year contract? I don't know. Listen, if they make a deep run, it'll be really hard for them not to give him the job. If they can go to the Elite Eight or the Final Four, right? So I think it would be really difficult for them not to. You're saying winning the Big 12 regular season isn't enough? 
for him to. I don't have, think so, to, man. I think they're gonna want to. They're gonna want to make a splash higher, like they did with um, with Beard. Is that the problem with Texas? Is that the problem with Texas as a mentality that you would have know. a guy that hold on that you'd have a guy step in, hold the reins, obviously clearly motivate players, continue to get them to play at an incredibly high level, compete for their first Big Twelve tournament or Big Twelve regular season title in years. And you as a Texas fan are sitting there straight faced in all sincerity saying, eh, I don't know if he's done enough. Is that the problem? No, I'm saying that they, the administration might not think he's done enough. He didn't build a team. Can he build a team? That's just the question I have. Can he build a team like this? He can coach. He's been a head coach before. He was a head coach. He left being the head coach at UTEP to be an assistant at Texas. And there's three other former head coaches on the staff. So we know he can coach, but my question is, can he recruit and build a program, build a roster like this one that Chris Beard put together? Uh, you might not know this just because I know you don't follow basketball as closely as football, but what's their recruiting class look like? I mean, is there any evidence? Has he has he got any commits that he can also force the hand? No commits. But they, the commit that they have, they had under Chris Beard, but he didn't decommit. He hasn't asked out of his – Letter of intent. It's Ronald Holland. He's um out of Duncanville in the Dallas area. Uh, Five star kid, probably a one and done type player. And he and he hasn't decommitted. And nothing that he has not. nothing. Yeah, and I bet nothing he's seen has made him want to decommit. I mean, playing really no. well. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. To me, and maybe I'm just jealous. Maybe I'm more jealous right now that this is the dilemma that Texas has. Right, is they get to choose between a winning coach and and somebody else because. Um, it feels like, however, though, that this is like a just a no-brainer. You just hire this guy. He's obviously winning. He's building a good culture. He's not a jerk face like Chris Beard was. And you roll with it. But because he's not a name, you said it because he's not going to be the splashy hire or be the name that Texas and Texas fan is adverse to wanting to hire him. Again, I don't think it's the name. I you just said, don't know if you did say splash hire though, right? You yeah, they, say wanna, they wanna bring in yeah, I think if they're gonna make a hire, they're gonna wanna bring in, you know, at least someone who has been a head coach at a high level for multiple years. That's just the things that I'm hearing. So I think he's done a great job. I mean, I think he's done an amazing job. Well keeping this keeping everything together and the players deserve a ton of credit too for just Staying steady. I mean, there was no drop off at all, and I, I'm really shocked by it. And I just hope it continues, and they can use their experience to make a run in the tournament because it's been a while, right? Texas has won one tournament game, and I think what the last like eight years, and it was last year. Hey, you know what, Kevin? Just enjoy being at the tournament, okay? Just be happy to be there. Be happy. I, I be happy to be happy to be there. Be happy to I have a, be back. Be happy to have a bracket in which you get to put, you know, UT for a couple of lines and and have this idea that you might make it to the second weekend. I don't even know if we're going to make the NIT. Like, and I'm not being, I'm not being funny. Like at this point right now, we have a losing record overall, dismal in the conference. And if we limp with these last three games all against ranked opponents, I don't know. I don't know that we make the NIT. It's frustrating. Who do you finish against? Iowa State, Kansas State, TCU. That's tough. Yeah, yeah, it is. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. I bet we win one of these games. I don't know which one it is, but you know, I bet we win one because we've just we've we've been not a bad team. Like your record sucks, 
But when I watch you guys play, I'm like, this is a horrible team. Like, wh- what are we doing here? Who are these players? I don't feel that when I watch OU play basketball this season. So, man, I don't know what it's going to take, you know, what kind of – what the recruits are looking like, what the young players are looking like, how are they going to revamp the roster. I do – I will say this, right, with the transfer portal, there's really no more excuses to not at least turn over the roster and bring in some guys who maybe fit your style. I think he's in a great position here, and I feel like the AD is going to be as patient as possible, right? Yeah, but, I, you know, here's the thing, though, when we're losing like this, and, and we saw it last year. Um, we saw it last year with uh, uh, Emoja Gibson losing him. I'm worried about losing Uzon. Uh, I, I'm worried about losing a couple of these young players that we think might be good. That that's kind of what makes me nervous about it. Is now yes, do you we think should it's be able to go the lack of success, or is it because of yes, the lack way of the success. season has unfolded? Okay, yeah, lack of success. I think people don't. No, I, I mean, I, I just don't think people. Honestly, I I never thought I'd be one of these guys, Kevin. But I almost think that when. Oklahoma is clearly a fickle fan base, right? We are, we're just, we're miserable. And we've enjoyed a lot of success in basketball. Oklahoma is historically a very good basketball school. Um, number of Final Fours, uh, players of the year. E- even in this century, last 20 years, we've had two players of the year. Um, and a, And one that maybe should have been in Trey Young if he would have, you know, whatever. But... My point is, right now we have nobody in in our stands. Nobody. Like it, it it looks like a JV basketball game where literally your girlfriend and your parents and maybe your grandparents come and watch the game. Yeah, that's disappointing, man. And do you think it's just strictly because of the performance, or has it been like this for a few years now? It's it's been like, but we haven't been good for a few years, right? And so it just, you know, I look at Texas Tech who has the same record. I mean, they're basically one of the same teams as us. They had, you know, they, their, their record's very similar. Um, but dude, yeah, they they're five pat- and 10 in the conference, 16 and 12 overall, Texas. Tech. Okay. So just they're a hair better than us, but man, they're packed. Look at that environment when y'all, when y'all rolled into Lubbock. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it was, was insane. insane. Now, I, Even I, without I know, Chris Beard. and I know that was Texas, right? And I get that, but they've been the, Texas tech, all these fan bases are filling up their arenas and, and it's not like it's not people want to make excuses for our arena. Like, well, it's too hard to get to. And no, it's not that hard to get to. There's no reason why we can't have, Oh, I don't know. 5,000 fans, Kevin, there's nights where I don't think we've got 2,500 fans in there for conference. Yeah, I watched games. a little bit of that Texas tech game and it just looked like, it looked like, dead. Said, like a middle school game. That's yes. I, yeah. Just, Half the season, there's not a lot of energy in there. Even when Kansas came to town. Um, well, how about you were at the ago. Texas game? You were at the Texas yeah. game. Wasn't full either. It's okay. not full. This and is early I, in the season. This is before the season had fallen apart. Okay. I, and I went to school, you know, I, I don't want to be like the good old days, but I mean, I went to school in the late 90s with Kelvin Sampson at OU and then went to a number of games in the early 2000s before I had kids and all that starts to you know fill your life and consume your life dude the lord noble would rock man i mean it was it would just be a really great place to watch a game and largely you're winning though i think it's winning and i don't know how you turn that around i don't know what porter moser is going to do um 
I don't think it's a lack of effort. I don't think it's a lack of enthusiasm. I don't think you got to win games. You you got to win games. It's just that simple. And and I don't know. That's what I'm worried about transfers though. Is they go on the road and they see the environment that could be, and then they come home and see the environment that is. And I think yeah. they say to themselves, uh, "This place does not care about basketball." And it's it's really frustrating because we've been a good program. Yeah, and I thought that's another thing with Texas with the Moody Center. I mean, they have totally revamped it and put the students there. When you watch the game, you see the student section right there. And it just changed everything from the Frank Irvin Center where the students were, you know, behind the basket on the other side. They were just hardly ever in the frame. The atmosphere sucked as a result. And this has kind of changed everything. It's made it a more festive atmosphere, that college atmosphere that we all want to see from our programs. And it's going to help recruiting even more. So, I know it's it's crazy, man. You're looking at two programs that couldn't be on more on different paths right now. You know, between Oklahoma and Texas, mm-hmm. when it comes to basketball, it's you see just an upward trajectory for Texas, and and maybe it's the excitement of a of a new arena. I, I don't know. I can't imagine that a new arena is going to make OU fans suddenly start going to games. Like I just. Yeah. But I've been wrong before, right? I mean, you know, look at my picks over the college football season, so maybe I'm the wrong person. Um, Speaking of the greatest rivalry in college football, the Oklahoma Sooners and the University of Texas, um, things to come out of the most recent uh, news that OU and Texas will be officially joining the SEC in 2024. Of most note, Kevin, is that uh, Chris Delcani came out and said – that he has been working with the league SEC to try to make the OU Texas game permanently at two thirty. To me, this is the best news I've ever heard. Yeah, it's perfect, man. That's the best time for the game every every time. Two thirty is always the best. Two thirty is the best. You go out Friday night. You can have a couple more drinks than you normally would have on a Friday night because you're in Dallas, and you can sleep them off. You can wake up at a reasonable time. You have plenty of time to go walk around the state fair, get your corn dogs, get your beer, get your funnel cakes. What now it's a little hotter during the game. The game's a little warmer. Yes. But who cares? And then you get out. Yeah. It's going to be hot regardless. It doesn't matter. I don't know. I love the two thirty kick. I appreciate Del Conte jumping in on that. He's listen, I'm not on Twitter right now because you know, we've talked about my OCD as it relates to Twitter. But when, but when I was on Twitter um, over, the, over the football season, and I'll be back on during the football season, I loved Del Conte's responsiveness as an AD on Twitter. He'd like answer anything. He really will. You, you reach out and say, hey, you know, there was an issue at this concession stand. He's like, oh, yeah, thanks for letting me know. Yeah, we'll get right on it. It's like, wait, yeah. you're actually responding? <laughs> it's the weirdest thing ever, man. And, he's and, really and transparent he, in interviews. It, it's crazy. And people will send them stuff like, hey, this kid's never got to go to a Texas game. And he's, you know, blah, 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 has this, you know, whatever disease or disability or, you know, hardship or whatever. He's like, here's my number. Call me. It's like, what? I mean, it's just call my office and ask what for Jane it? and tell her, tell her I told her to make it happen. I don't know. I really like it. But anyway, I thought that was great. I hope 236. I will tell you this. I just, I know we're going to ESPN. And we've talked about, I'm not just necessarily thrilled about ESPN when we get to the SEC. I wish we would have gotten a couple, three years with the CBS broadcast group. 
I like the yeah. CBS. I like the SEC on CBS. I loved it. Me too. Me too. It just seems kind of prestigious, right? When you see it's, yes. like, oh, it's Alabama, Tennessee, or it's Florida, Georgia on. Yeah, it, it was something, something a little special about those. Even going know, back, think about it, man. In the 1990s, right? It's like, oh, Paige Manning in Tennessee up against Florida, Danny Werfel. So, I mean, you knew it was about to be something big happening. Yeah, and that was before the SEC was even the best conference in the league. It just it had the prestige. That was like the 230 slot was SEC. You were going to watch it. Um, and, yes, it, oh, I don't even know who calls it now. Is it Gary Danielson? Yeah, uh, Danielson is the, um, the color. He's the color. And then um, it's in Brad Nessler, I believe. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was Vern for a long time. Vern I loved, for, I, forever. Yeah. Dude, I love Vern Lundquist. People want to hate on not, – not me. I'm not on that list. And so I just – I lament the fact that we don't get a couple years on CBS, that we don't get the validation yeah. of having CBS. And then – so now we go to the ESPN and we're going to lose Gus and Joel, which everybody who's listened to That's the a knows that, that, that we – the Boomer Bevo podcast loves Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt. In fact, this is just totally random. has nothing to do with anything. There was a, uh, I guess, Gus Johnson got to participate in like a Harvard program where he got to literally okay. go back to school for like a whole semester or a whole year or something. Okay. And they showed it on like Fox Sports 1. They did like an hour-long documentary on him going back to school. And he was going to school while he was calling games. And this whole – Gus Johnson is an impressive dude, man. And it was really, really cool to watch that. Anyway, so anyway, everybody knows the BBP loves, loves Joel and Gus. So now we're going back to ESPN. I like Herbie. I do. Chris Fowler, we've talked about it. I don't know, man. I just, yeah. ah, uh, anyway. All right. So the other thing to kind of come out of this over the last couple of weeks has been there. It sounds like they've narrowed the SEC scheduling down. Have you heard? Yeah, were there a couple options, right? What are they? There's two options, okay? There it now both of these options are based on a no division, like no divisions, not east, west, north, south, none of that, right? So it's just the two best teams will play at the end in the SEC championship game. They're deciding between an eight-game schedule, which will be based on a one-seven model, which is one permanent opponent versus seven rotating opponents, or a nine-game schedule which is a 3-6 model, three permanent opponents, and six rotating opponents. So I ask you, Kevin, why in the world would we ever even be considering staying with an eight-game schedule? It doesn't even make sense to me. No, nothing, nothing about this makes any sense at all. And hopefully us being there forces the SEC to get rid of that garbage non-conference game that they have in November where they're playing the Citadel and Tennessee State, and all these other teams just to get an easy victory, too. Because that stuff, man, it's got to go, even with a difficult schedule. So when I was doing the research on these two scheduling options, um, I was looking at SI.com, was was one of the articles I was reading, so I want to give credit. Um, And they say that basically their their argument is that um, prior to OU in Texas, there were the haves and the have-nots in the SEC. And there was the top eight teams and the bottom eight teams. 
or I shouldn't say eight and eight. It was because uh, there's 14. So there was the top seven and the bottom seven. And oftentimes Tennessee was kind of in the middle acting as the swing boat. But basically the bottom seven teams never wanted to play that extra SEC conference game. So your South Carolinas, your Vanderbilts, your Kentuckys, your Mississippi States, they never wanted to play that other game because they needed the other win. They needed that crappy Citadel game or, uh, you know, middle Tennessee state or whatever the case may be just to become bowl eligible. Right. Whereas your halves, your Alabama's Georgia's, um, Florida, uh, Florida, LSU. LSU, they want they wanted another game, right? To to pad their schedule, have another you know have another conference game, and so that was one of the issues. And they claim that with Oklahoma and Texas, that it's going to shift the balance to a more uh, to dominate with the halves. That Oklahoma and Texas will will side with the halves in the league and want to increase it to a nine game schedule. However, they said that ESPN has only committed to pay money for an eight-game schedule and might not pay any more money for another schedule. And if they don't pay more money, they'll play an eight-game schedule. To me, this sounds ludicrous, Kevin. It is absolutely foolish. It has to be a nine-game conference schedule. Nothing else how, makes any sense whatsoever. How can you have a 16-team league, a 16-team league, and only play eight games? Yeah. It, it doesn't even make it's sense. Absurd. No, nothing about it makes sense at all. It's, it's, I mean, it has to be just a formality during the discussions, right? Like, they can't be just realistically considering playing an eight-game schedule. I just don't see it. Okay. I hope you're right. Okay. So let's go on the premise that they're going to play a nine-game schedule. So if they play a nine-game schedule and they use the 3-6 model, um, I'll let you guess. Oklahoma has three permanent teams. This is a, this is the projection, right? They're the projected permanent teams. Oklahoma has three permanent teams. Can you guess Oklahoma's three permanent teams? Okay, well, if it's OU, I would guess Texas, obviously. Correct. Um, I would say maybe Missouri and Arkansas. A one out of two. They say Missouri and Florida. Okay. Which Florida. I thought was which I thought was interesting. Like I think that's an yeah. interesting matchup. Uh, but I kind of like it. There's a little history with OU and Florida. And I could see that being a team that we could come to hate, you know, like a, a permanent rival in the conference. I could come to dislike Florida very, they're orange, right? So already, already, that's really easy. We're off to a good start. Uh, uh, number two, they're good. They're usually good at basketball. They're good at softball. Um, baseball too. They've had a start. Baseball. baseball uh, you know, there's just, a, they're a, they're a good program. They're going to be competitive competitive when they are did you see that the, somebody picked anthony rich anthony richardson was the quarterback right for them yeah did you see somebody uh-huh. pick, did you see somebody's mock draft had him number one i did see that what i did what are talking about the guy didn't even Man. complete a the guy didn't even complete a touchdown for like five games i mean i'm gonna tell you why he's I'm, I'm gonna tell you why he's being projected maybe not number one but at least to go in the first round josh allen josh allen Think about this, man. Josh Allen at Wyoming, at Wyoming, had a 57 completion percentage. And then his first few years in the league, it was the same way. And then all of a sudden, he just turned into Josh Allen. So I think yes. now team is a copycat league. So they're thinking, hey, look, maybe we can do this with that kid. He doesn't have great completion, 
but the tools are there. The arm strength is there. The mobility okay. is there. You, you understand that the, that, that what, what his, his completion percentage was directly correlated to Brian Dable being there. And when Brian Dable left to go to the Giants, his completion percentage dropped considerably back again this year. It returned back to the to yeah, the He meeting. wasn't as good as he was. Yeah, so you've got to have the right, right coach, but I don't even care. I don't. It, it, I will say this. I think if, uh, if, um, if he had the weapons, if Josh Allen was playing at Florida when he was in college and he had the weapons that Florida typically has, he would have had better stats. You think so? Even playing against? Yes. Think about that. Yeah, you also have like three of his games. Against. Dude, only like three of his games are against good teams. Three or four of his games. The other games, he should sure. just be rolling. I mean, Florida's a better I team. There's seven or eight teams on their schedule. Now, whoever drafts him, and I think he's going to go in the first round. He's just too talented to not draft in the first round. But he needs to go somewhere. I think Detroit would actually be good for him. Think about it, man. They got Jared Goff there, who actually had a really good season this year, believe it or not. So he doesn't have to play right now. So if Detroit, and remember, Detroit has two first-round picks because of the Matthew Stafford trade to the Rams. So they have their pick, too. So with their second pick, maybe I think it's somewhere in the team, 15, 16, somewhere around there. You draft to Anthony Richardson, just put him on the bench, let him develop. Oh. And a couple it's like a lottery ticket, man. It's just like just well, it's kind of, you know what it's kind of like. Um, although I think Dak was a better college quarterback. It's kind of like Dak, it's kind of like Dak Prescott. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of make that pick, but I think you make it in the second or third round. I don't think he's a first round, like man. I just think that this that the Talent is just there, man. Uh, I think. Well, then, I mean, then, then, again, then, then, I agree. Based then, then, on his throw a touchdown. Then throw a touchdown. Based in the on his production, yeah, he is a second or third round quarterback. But based on his measurables, man, you know how these GMs are. They're just looking to strike gold. Um, take risks. All right. I, you know what? I'm already starting to hate Florida. I can't talk about Florida anymore. Okay. University of Texas has three permanent opponents. Accordingly, projected possibly. Can you guess the three permanent opponents? Oh, I'm again, OU. Uh-huh. And I would say AM. Yep. Hopefully. And Arkansas, I would say. That's correct. Ding, ding, ding. I got to tell you, if I'm a Texas fan, I am kind of bored by those three. There's no intrigue there. Are you, are you, yeah, stoked, I mean, about, are you stoked about having to play AM in Arkansas every year? When, when not other- Arkansas. When there's not other options, and M, yeah, no, no, I miss playing A and M as annoying okay. as they are. No, I, I miss that. Yeah, I miss the Kyle Field games. I miss and look, Texas fans. We can be a little bit delusional, right? I, you know, I admit that. But Aggie delusion is just on a completely, totally different level. Level. I mean, like from a it's different hard to put planet. into words, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. So this is a team that hasn't won a, a national championship since 1939, right? But you would think that. They're Georgia or Alabama, by the way. Some of their fans uh, act. A so, large majority, yeah. Yeah, but again, it's a great place to play, right? I, I've I've been able to go there and watch a game. It's a fun stadium to be at. Their fans are loud. As weird as they are, their atmosphere is great. So it'll be fun to play them again, bring back that old rivalry. I miss it. I don't know if it'll be on Thanksgiving weekend. I hope it is. Just because um, it's just one of those traditional things that you miss. Kind of like with the OU Nebraska thing. Um, Arkansas, though, is it kind of like Missouri for us? Kind of like, blah. Yeah, like, eh, you know, you, you know, yeah. it, it is. It is, man. Because it's, yeah. it's no benefit to us to play Arkansas. It's not like you 
are playing Georgia where you can get looked at by Georgia recruits now. Right. I mean, right. There's right. not a lot of exactly. great players coming out of Arkansas. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like a, a lose lose. If you beat them, okay, yeah, it's Arkansas. If you lose, like, man, you guys losing to Arkansas? What's wrong with y'all? So it's kind of a lose lose. But, you know, it is what it is, it sounds like. I'm sure they're excited. To me, they've got to go the nine game schedule. I hope, for goodness sake, that they're not even considered. I mean, I, I just. The fact that we would have so many teams, we, we've got enough time, I think, to make it work. Um, they got to figure that out. I mean, because everybody else is going to go nine. The Big Ten already does nine games, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So they're not going to go pretty, back. I'm pretty they're sure, not, yeah. They won't yeah. go back. The Big 12 is going to play nine games. The yeah. ACC, I think the SEC is the only one that plays eight games, and it's just weird. It's just weird. And uh, they've is. gotten away with it for a long time, but – I mean, we need to be playing. We need to play nine. Um, yeah, and I think, too, now with it, with them expanding the playoff, the 12 teams, right, I think, you know, because I think they were scared of losing, having another loss on their record. But now with this 12 teams in there that are going to get into the playoffs, I think that kind of takes away a little bit of the risk of losing. Uh, 100%. Like having another loss in regular season, so. A hundred percent. I think with a 12 team playoff, the SEC can reasonably expect to have four teams every year. At least. Yeah. I would say every four teams year. every year, every year, every year, mm-hmm. every year, you're going to have the two finalists and the next two on the list. Um, Just because of the SEC, they might get five in, you know, I don't know. We'll, but I think you can expect to have four in every year. Um, Kevin, we need to take some time out. We need to thank our sponsor, Brown O'Haver. Brown O'Haver is public insurance adjusters for the insured, not the insurance company. They've been around in Oklahoma since 2006, adjusting claims from fire, wind, death, tornado, vandalism, water loss, whatever the case may be. Brown O'Haver adjusts claims for you to get you more money more quickly. Call Brown O'Haver, 405-735-5510. Speak to any one of our numerous talented adjusters. Whether you've had suffered the claim recently, we'd love to help from day one. That's where we thrive. Or you suffered a claim six months to a year ago. Give us a call. It is a no-lose situation for you. You only pay us if we increase your claim. Call us 405-735-5510. Kevin, the frustration that I have been feeling with Oklahoma basketball has made me think to football about football and some of what I consider to be our most frustrating players. We've talked about hated players on this podcast. We've talked about loved players on this podcast, we've talked about best players. Um, and, and if, when it was hated, we were talking about, you know, who we hated on the other team, you know, Roy Williams, the receiver, Chrissy Sims, y'all love Baker Mayfield. Um, But oftentimes for Oklahoma fan, an equal amount of our vitriol, of our collective angst, is not not always directed at Texas players. Oftentimes it's directed at Oklahoma players. We get just super frustrated with them, and they drive us crazy. Does that same um, ailment occur within the Texas fan base. It does. It, it absolutely does. And I think it does with every fan base, but 
don't know. You got to take it to a to a different level, man. Sometimes I'm like, do you even like your players? I agree with you. I think we do. Yeah. Um, I've talked with Toby Rowland, voice of the Sooners, before, uh, especially like when we were going through the Josh Heupel when he was having a rough year, and we ended up and Stoops ended up letting him go, which just seems like it's worked out for Hype pretty well now that he's at Tennessee. But um, Toby it made the point. You too, by the way. I think it did. Yeah, I think that's it fair. I, I think that's fair getting Lincoln Riley. Absolutely, I agree. We needed a change, but. The, the statement that he made at the time was Oklahoma is excels at eating their own and eating their young. Like the, we just, we just, we attack and peck and just make it miserable. And I'm sure he's right. I'm sure it's an unflattering look, but the reality is it is a reality. And so uh, for the back half of this episode and the fact that it's not football season, but we still have to talk about football because it's the Boomer Bebo podcast. I thought we would talk about our most frustrating players from our own teams. Kevin, who makes – save your number one pick for the end. Give us a couple of honorable mentions and maybe uh, anybody else that you just find incredibly frustrating within the Texas um, circle. Okay, this guy might might not be a household name, but we had a corner a few years ago named Holton Hill. He was a really high four-star recruit out of Houston. Super talented kid. Played pretty well for the most part, but, man, the guy ended up getting kicked off the team. He was almost like a knucklehead, right? So it wasn't for <laughs> anything he really did on the field. He was always good on the field, but he was getting into little incidents off the field. He ended up getting dismissed from the team halfway through his last year for failing drug tests. Guy goes to the combine, and then it turns out he failed a drug test at the combine. That's and a hard. Te- that's a hard test to fall. That's a hard test man, to fail. It is exactly. It's not like it's a surprise. Like, hey, man, you got to get tested. You're like, what? No, it's like it's the combine. Everybody gets tested. Every player that goes gets tested, right? He failed the test at the combine, so it's just frustrating because he was so much. He had so much talent and ability, man, to, to not see him live up to that. What what, what just frustrated me? What years would this, what years would this have been in? And I think it was like fifteen through seventeen. He was there. Is this the Charlie Strong? Was, yeah, it started with Charlie Strong and then ended with uh, Tom Herman kicking him off. Yeah, yeah, uh huh, yeah. And he was a great player. I mean, the first game for Tom Herman, you know, when they lost to Maryland, the first drive, Maryland got the ball. He intercepted the pass and took it back for a touchdown. You know, first drive of the season. It shows you the type of talent he has. Kid six foot two. He's a guy that would have played on the the '05 team. He's that kind of talent. Yeah, at corner. You know, six okay. two, just long. So, man, just frustrated because of his off the field stuff. This is for everybody listening in, and maybe this is your first time. Uh, you've got to appreciate the absolute obscurity with which Kevin Miller can reach into a a. Um, into the depths of the roster at Texas to find somebody that you've never heard of yet. Make the story compelling. I appreciate that. You probably even know we went to high school. where do you go to high school? Yeah. Lamar high school in Houston. See, I knew it. I knew it. This, this guy, come on. All right. What else? Who else? Who else frustrates the heck out of you? Saving number one for last. Okay. We had a guy, well, Tyrone Swoops, man. He was, he was a high four star recruit. He played in a small town, though, right? So I don't know how good the evaluation was. 
But he was the guy you always kind of waited for to kind of take the next step, and it just never happened for him at quarterback. Ended up moving to tight end, kind of like an H-back role. They would use him as a running quarterback on the goal line. He's basically our, ended up being our version of Blake Bell. But you yeah, know, a and, guy came and I don't even know, and I don't even know if he was good as good as Blake Bell was he? I mean, maybe, probably, not really. I mean, Blake Bell. I mean, he's such a dynamic athlete. He's still in the NFL all these years later. Right, playing gotta, a position he had never even played before. I got to tell right. you, I, I, uh, Tyrone Swoops was a true freshman. Who was he behind? Uh, would have been either Case McCoy or David Ash, or maybe both of them. Okay, so whoever was starting that year's OU Texas game, it didn't matter because all OU fan could talk about was if they rolled out Tyrone Swoops. We were scared to death. That y'all were going to roll out Tyrone Swoops. He's the second coming of Vince Young. He's a bigger yeah. version of Vince Young. He's more talented. Um, you know, the game plan is going to change. We're not going to know how to defend. Uh, you know, we can't defend a running quarterback. We were scared to death of Tyrone Swoops. Like, just flat out. Uh, and uh, he just never materialized, right? I mean, it just was yeah, kind of like. Funny. The, the best game of his career was probably the twenty. 20- was it 2012 Red River shootout? The one with Trevor no, Knight? Where was that? No, 14, was that 14. 14. 14, right? Yeah. Yeah, with Trevor, him and Trevor Knight. And I thought he was the best. He was really good that day. Now, that's the one you lost, right? Yeah, yeah. You guys ended up Yeah, you lost. But yes, but y'all played a better game. Yeah, y'all played a better game than yeah. us. And he did too. But you're right. But other, other, strong than that, here. other than that, he did nothing though, right? I mean. No, no. That was the peak of his career at quarterback. And it was a loss. Against Oklahoma. Okay, next. This well, is I, I, this is my last one here. Last one. Now, is this your most frustrating player? Correct. Yeah. Okay, I'm ready. Correct. Chris Sims, man. <laughs> Chris Sims. Hey, listen, I'm a fan. I'm actually a fan, and I have defended Chris Sims a lot, but <laughs> particularly to our own fan base because. Our own fan base, a lot of them think he's horrible. He, you know, he was a bust. And I don't think he was a bust. I thought he had a very good career for Texas. The only problem is he when you get a touchdown against big Oklahoma. Games, four, yeah. He played in four games against OU. No touchdowns. No, like zero. You can't get, you know, yeah. one. Especially with the talent that they had at wide receiver and at running back, especially through the last two seasons, 01 and 02. I mean, sure. really 2000, uh, 2001 and 2002, loaded loaded rosters and just could never get it done. The 2001 Big 12 championship game, you know, against Colorado, they win the game, they're playing in the national championship game against the University of Miami. And he goes out and just has one of the worst games you'll ever see. Three interceptions and a fumble in the first half ends up getting benched. So again, I like the guy. He had a good career, right? But do you, the legacy do you, is. Do you think in those games, man, it just it just didn't happen for him? Do you think that it was a blessing in disguise that you didn't have to go get your ass kicked by Miami that year? I don't know, man. That Miami <laughs> was historically yeah. good, but you know, it was just like. It would have been cool to play this is, championship game. You know what, Kevin? I needed this tonight. I no, I needed this tonight. I needed to, to hear the delusion that is Texas fan to think that you had a chance with a Chris Sims led football team that you might have been able that. to play. That you might have been able to play a good game against Miami in two thousand one. You, 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 you were literally 
You were literally, you literally just paused. No, no, no. Oh, well, I think we'd give him a good game. There is no way you Okay, you are, you are really putting words in my mouth. What I'm saying is, is I would have been okay with playing against Miami. Of course we would have got our – are you serious? We're the greatest teams yeah. of all time. But so do you good. regret playing – okay, do you regret playing in the 04 National Championship yes. game? Yes. You yes. do. So you would have rather – no, you're no, lose. you're right. You're right. I just wish we'd have showed up, but yes, no, I, I understand. Yeah. You're right. Well, yeah, you want no, the opportunity no chance against Miami. Yeah, just the opportunity, just to say yeah. what that does for recruiting, especially at Texas, right? To say we played in the national championship game, we lost to the team, but this team was one of the greatest teams of all time, which we pretty much thought that at the time. They were so good. They were so and good. Especially once you see all those NFL guys. But yeah, no, they would have killed us, but still would have been cool to play there, especially with after OU winning the national championship the year prior to. Um, anyway, man, real quick, let me let me just finish on, on, on him. Yeah, go ahead. He had a good career, 4-0 against AM. Always showed up against them, but man, against OU, just just really struggled, man. And again, that Big 12 championship game. Unfortunately, that's the legacy. And he was treated really poorly by our fans, which I'm embarrassed of to this day. But again. It was frustrating to see his performances in those big games. Um. Okay, that's fair. Um. Uh, it, it it makes sense that you would pick Chris Sims because I think OU would have to pick Chris Sims as like the the player we'd most want to play against. You know, just because it 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 was not just because he didn't beat OU, but because of who he was, and he didn't beat OU. You yeah. know. He was Phil Sims's dad. I mean, Phil Sims was his dad, and he has all this talent. Five star quarterback. I mean, it's it would. I feel like Arch Manning's definitely getting more hyped than this. So t- this would be to a lesser degree, but to a lesser degree, it would be like Arch Manning coming in and losing four games to OU. You know, which, which yeah. is and not just losing, but but playing, but not throwing a touchdown, to not throwing yeah. a touchdown. Not throwing a touchdown in four games and losing. And uh, it would make it extra sweet for OU fan and would cause probably unending. Also, let me give credit to those OU teams, though. I don't want to take anything away from because those defense were borderline historically good. Um, um, 2000 and 2001. Yes. Strong agreement. Um, okay. Uh, guys that have frustrated the heck out of OU fan and me in particular over the years – the um and I'm gonna say my, how many do you got? Mo- how many do you have? I just have four, but I'm gonna go quicker than you did. I promise. I promise. I probably could have made a longer list, but these were my four easy ones. These just like when I came up with this topic, these were like blah 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 blah. Easy. The first one, Brendan Radley Hiles. That Bookie. dude, Spooky, frustrated the crap out of every OU fan. Five star talent out of IMG. Was yeah. he at IMG? Yeah, five-star talent out of IMG. This is like Lincoln Riley's only five-star defensive recruit in his entire tenure. We were so excited to have this guy. He ended up with 74 solo tackles, three interceptions, but it was the penalties. And it was the penalties in the craziest spots. Like fourth and fifth or third and 15, and he has nothing to do with the play, and he taunts the guy, and they get an automatic first down. And it, it would just drive you insane. I couldn't stand him. He, he, you can't tell me that Texas fan didn't laugh every time Buki did something stupid. 
We did, man. And it's it's unfortunate because, like you said, he's an elite talent. I actually had just moved here, the, the class he signed with, and I went with uh, Casey, my wife, to the spring, to the OU spring game. He had a good spring game. That's right. He was all over the field. I'm looking at the way I'm like, oh, man, Mike Stoops has this guy lined up all over the place. He's just learning the system. He had him blitzing on certain plays. He had him dropping deep, uh, playing the deep middle on certain plays. I'm like, this guy is scary. He's going to be really good. Man, it just never worked out for him. I don't know what happened. I mean, I know the mental mistakes. Yeah. Right? Look, it's po- it's possible he wasn't developed because we had an absolutely terrible uh, defensive coaching regime, you know, for four or five years. So that is possible that his play on the field – but it even more so, it was just the boneheadedness of how he yeah the, the mental stuff and the weird trash talk right just the weird taunting at just the you had nothing to do with the play like three guys would sack a dude and he'd come in and be the one taunting and you'd be like dude shut up bro like stop yeah like you're yeah. not you you have nothing to do with anything oh my god and then here's um, hold on here's what's even more frustrating about that is then he'll do that and then you're mad at him and you want him gone but then as soon as he does that. He'll make this incredible play coming from across the field, lighting yes. up a tight end on a crossing route. Yes. Yeah. Just those kind of plays. So that's what's frustrating even more so because then you're like, oh, well, maybe we can get something out of the dude. And then he does something again and say, oh, never mind. We're done. Eventually, the, it got to the point where y'all were done with him. We were done with him. And at the end of the day, dude, he was like 5'7, 170 pounds. It's like at some point, the physical skills also just bugged you. You're like, you know, deep, whatever. We're spending too much time on Buki. Okay. This one was just kind of just kind of guy just kind of frustrated you a little bit, just as a Sooner fan. Trevor Knight, he was frustrated. Okay, like he looked like a quarterback. He'd have like a he had that game against Alabama in the uh, Sugar Bowl in 2013. He said, "Oh my God, this year, this next year is going to be amazing, dude." He had like 57 percent completion, 25 touchdowns against 12 interceptions. He just wasn't very good, and it would just frustrate the crap. Yeah. You're like, this guy should be better. And OU had, was so used to just prolific passing and, you know, dynamic offense. And he just – he didn't have it in his – I don't – we always thought it was the play calling. We tr- – you know, we tried not to blame it on him. It was just weird. He was just frustrated. Trevor Knight was a frustrating football player. Gotcha. All gotcha, right, man. I mean, he wasn't even a, that high of a recruit. So, but no, I get where you're coming from, though. Yeah, and then he went and played at A&M, and I don't know what A&M fan thinks of him, but he was kind of the same there. Like, man, this guy should yeah, be better. Yeah, who he is. Yeah. And he was athletic, and he was fast, and he was, he was a good-looking kid, and all this kind of stuff. And he was like, man, he just never had it. Hey, man, he get shouted out by Katy Perry, man. I mean, was that the peak of his career? That was, that was it. Sugar Bowl? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, no, because I think we were ranked in everything. And, yeah, Katy Perry really hosed us on that. Um, then the last one before we get to the final one, Spencer Rattler. And here's what's crazy about Spencer Rattler 70% completion percentage. Okay. Wow. In two years, and actually really just a year and a half as a starter, 4,500 passing yards, 40 touchdowns against only 12 interceptions. And he had to follow, uh, two Heisman winners and a Heisman finalist. That's and that yet, was his biggest downfall right there. And I've got him on here more as a he was frustrating to OU fans, not necessarily me. Like I could always kind of justify him, you know, why he was playing a certain way. 
But as a fan base, we were frustrated to death by Spencer Rattler to the point where we're yelling for the backup quarterback to come in on an undefeated team, an undefeated team. And we are cheering for the other player to come in. And then to the validation of every OU fan in the world, when that player does finally come in, he leads us to the greatest comeback from behind victory against you guys in the history of the yeah, he's, he's Superman, though, man. He is Superman, the backup quarterback. But am I right? Was were, were, yeah. was that was that the height of OU's obnoxiousness? Was being frustrated by Spencer Rattler? Yeah, it was. Look, he is so talented, man. Sometimes, even now, he he'll make a throw. I'm like, how did he do that? I mean, I've seen this guy be on the right hash mark, throw a deep out to the opposite sideline between a corner and a safety, and just put it right on the money. I'm just like, how do you do that? But then I- sometimes he'll make just weird decisions. It just never seemed to click for him for whatever reason. And it yeah, was like he was the first guy that Lincoln Riley handpicked as a recruit to be his quarterback. He's an early enrollee. It's just everything was set up for him to be successful, and it just didn't work. I don't really know why. Maybe it's unfair, but I think we all thought he was uh, more mobile than he than he is. True. And we expected that mobility, and it just – there was no design run yeah. game. He wasn't particularly agile in the pocket. No, he um, wasn't even Baker like that. Baker no, yeah, was he, really out, agile in the pocket. That was probably his greatest strength, is being able to dodge and avoid um, rushers yeah, absolutely. in the pocket absolutely. while keeping his eyes downfield. And, yeah, and so he got sacked easily, and you'd get frustrated. He'd hold on to the ball, or he tried to make something happen. I don't know. He was frustrated. Okay, all that, Spencer Rattler, glad you're doing great, South Carolina. All that was a prelude. To Oklahoma's most frustrating player, can you take a guess? It's a I won't make you. It's a, Landry Jones. Landry Jones. This is the man with a sixty-three point six percent completion rating or per, per, completion percentage. Six. I think he still holds the Big Twelve record. Sixteen thousand career passing yards. A hundred and twenty-three touchdowns. Fifty-two interceptions. Three 500-yard games, and yet nobody frustrated the crap out of us more than Landry Jones. Isn't that crazy that that's how spoiled yeah, it is? it seems like y'all can't stand that guy. I remember when he was there, and I would hear all the bad things that OU fans. This is before I lived here, of course, so just even from afar, being on the message boards and stuff back in the day, saying what OU fans would be saying about this guy. I'm like, do y'all even like him at all? Like, does he suck? No, the answer was He no. always lit up Texas. I think he lost one, so right? Was he three and one against Texas? Well, as he, a starter, he came or into two, the game, two and he one. He came maybe. into the game. Um, I think really technically he's three and zero oh, because he came into the game when Sam Bradford got hurt in two thousand nine, and he had the unfortunate responsibility to play against that Texas defense, which was outstanding. Earl Thomas got him a couple times, but other than that, man, in twenty ten he beat us. Eleven and twelve were both blowouts. Yeah, uh, victories for OU. So, yeah, no, he was at his and, best in those games. That's for sure. Um, he lost once to Oklahoma State, lost to Notre Dame. Um, he was just a he, but it was the, it was the weird losses to like K State were always weird losses. Um, he just did weird things, and it was for me personally, it was just like his overall demeanor. Right. He just always kind of had the same um, look on his face like 
like a look, like he was detached from what was going on. Like he wasn't engaged. And I think that's just how he was, you know, as a person. Yeah. But it just drove me nuts. It's like, dude, can you not get involved in this game? Can you not realize what's happening right now that you're playing football at OU and that we're trying to win these games? And I just (laughs) never thought, and maybe this played over to other OU fans. I never thought he cared as much as I did. Right. I always thought that he was above caring about the game. And I don't know. Most frustrating player. OU fan, it's like, how can you have the all-time passingest quarterback in the Big 12 be your most frustrating player? In some ways, hated. I I didn't hate the guy. He just just frustrated me. It was just hard to watch. He would do stupid stuff um, amidst what was a tremendous career. A tremendous career. Yeah. Does he come back? Or does he still live here? I don't know. I don't know. He's yeah. from New Mexico. Chris Sims does not. He he hardly comes back. It's awesome. He hardly does. He doesn't hardly come back. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Well, his wife. Has, honestly, you know, his wife played basketball at OU. So my guess is yeah. he's probably come back. My guess is he's come back. I don't think he's. You know, I mean, he was there for four years. It's not even like he left on bad terms. You know, he was there for four years yeah. and. One, two, or three BCS games. Heck, he might have been four and zero in BCS. I don't know. He, you know, he, but he just was frustrating the crap out of you. You know what, Kevin? This felt good. I felt like you got some stuff off your chest. I got some stuff off yeah. my chest. It's it's kind of like what you need in the off season to vent some of these demons, you know. And so we can like take these players yeah. now and just like push them it's to the side, deep, man. So being a college football fan, it, it goes deep. We, you know, we're as dedicated as we are. But you don't need to talk about this in season, right? You don't need to bring stuff up no, like this no, no, and no. put this kind of juju on your team, you know? No. This is off-season talk. This is off-season. This is like get some of the stuff out that, that's kind of bugging you. And, 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 you know, we'll come up with some more of this. I know this is groundbreaking stuff. I know that people are listening and they're like, man, we have never heard this take ever. And I, you're right, never have. But we're going to bring it to you here on the Boomer Bebo podcast. Soon to be... Kevin, the next episode, the 50th episode? Are you kidding me? Time flies, man. We having fun. Dude, I love it. We're uh, not even quite a year yet. We we started in the summer, so mm-hmm. 50 episodes. You know what our number one rated episode is of all time, Kevin, for the Boomer Bevo What's podcast? That? A podcast exclusively dedicated to covering a college football rivalry. Some say the greatest college football rivalry. Our softball special. Episode, episode like 12 or 13, when Oklahoma was playing Texas in the softball national championship series, that was our, that is our number one. It has something, it has something like 700 listens on KREF over like 200 something crazy number of views on YouTube, more than any of our other episodes. Um, So anyway, I find that. I still find that fantastic. Hopefully OU and Texas will play in another world series and we'll get to talk about it and get some even more views. Well, I'm sure you guys will be there. Um, I don't know, dude, we just lost to Baylor. Did you see that? One game. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. You did, but you, you I'm not quite sure what Pat, I got to tell you, I'm not sure what Patty Gasso is doing. Honestly, if that's, if that's the kind of stuff she's going to roll out. Yeah. Losing to Baylor. I mean, yeah. I don't understand it. I'm thinking about replacing. replacing? There's a short list. There's a short list that's been circulating around. We want to make a splash, Kevin. We want to make a splash, a splash higher. We want to say, you know, we know Patty can coach. 
right? And we know she can recruit and we know she can win national championships. Um, but is that enough, Kevin? That's where we're at. It's kind of like you and your basketball coach. Is it enough? It might not be. It would not. Good. Who knows? Yeah. Reach out to Josie and let him know your concerns as a um, very concerned alum. I also got some thoughts on our gymnastics, women's gymnastics coach, KJ Kindler. I don't know if she's going to bring it. Um, we're only number one in the country. And I don't know, you know, for like so many weeks in a row. And, um, oh yeah. So anyway, it's just a lot, a lot of, you know, the men's gymnastics is number one in the country too. Number one. Yeah. Put in work. Uh, if our basketball team could show, I think golf's going to be pretty good again this year. Your golf team's going to be good this year though, too. We might need to do a golf special. That might need to be a yeah. preview we do because your golf team is actually going to be really good. Um, I told you about the new Netflix full swing. Yeah. Scotty Scheffler is a Texas player that makes it really hard for me not to root for him. And like Jordan so Spieth. Okay, Jordan Spieth say, went to Texas. Like uh-huh. I like Jay Spieth and I, I pull for him, but he's kind of, he's kind of a little dorky. Like, He's like the yeah. guy that's made it and he's got the money. And so he thinks he's cool, but he's really not that okay. cool. It's like, dude, you're really not that cool. But Dorothy Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, no, he's not douchey. No, I would. Yeah, you're right. He's just kind of dorky, right? Yeah. Um, but Scotty Scheffler is just like, I don't know. He's happy, go lucky, pleasant, nice. Yeah. Um, takes it, takes the game seriously, but not too seriously. It has a great wife and a great family. And compared to some of these other players that they are highlighting on this Netflix, you're, you're like, find yourself rooting for him. And so my daughter's like, man, we really like Scotty. We're going to start rooting for Scotty. And I was like, guys, he went to UT. And like their faces were like, you could see the um, consternation in their decisions yeah, making. The you dilemma. know, just like, yeah. what is happening? Can I root for him, dad? Like, what do I I'm like? Hey, you have to make your own decisions. And then I told him about Kevin Durant completely letting us down. And I think they say, screw Scotty Shuffler. We're sticking, we're sticking with Brooks Kepka. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, see, I don't see how he can, you know, he's not going to just leave, you know. He's going to do something stupid, Kevin. Mark my words. I don't know when, but Scotty Shuffler is going to do something stupid. And I'm going to say, stupid there it is, right the there. State of Oklahoma. Because this was different. Know. This was like, it was it a perfect like a, storm right there for KD. Actually, Scotty seems like a really nice guy. Um, and I hope yeah. he has a good year. He's a great player. Um, all right, dude, this was great. Um, we'll be on here in another couple of weeks unless something else pops up. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, dude, have a good night. Boomer. Welcome. Okay.